January 24th I went to the darbar to visit the emperor who on seeing me away beckoned me with his hand guiding me to not stay for the ceremony of asking leave but to come up to him where he appointed me a place above all other men a place which I thought fit my honor I gave him a small present having looked curiously at it he asked me many questions about the present and then he demanded what i required of him and i answered justice hello and welcome everyone to the third episode of our weekly podcast india colonize where we bring you stories and legends from colonial past of our nation and in today's episode we are talking about the royal ambassador of the english court who came to the mogul dominions hoping to secure trade treaties and a self perceived importance and intimate relationship he boastfully claimed to have had with the emperor jahangir although not much was achieved of his task however his accounts of his stay in the mogul empire have provided a window into the correspondence with the mogul royal household and the darbar we are here talking about none other than thomas ro The Timurid Mughal dynasty of South Asia was a source of European fascination and interest. Travelers were drawn by the promise of its riches and exotic. The establishment of links between Europe and South Asia in early 16th century brought a completely whole new era of diplomatic, commercial and artistic exchange between the two regions. And quite naturally, all of this began with representatives from Europe arriving at the court of the great Mughals seeking their permission to establish trade agreements which would benefit their motherlands the arrivals of the european envoy was due to the sole desire to establish factories now remember when we speak about factories in the context of the advent of europeans we're talking about commercial compounds or fortifications that are made within the mughal empire or the territory that is granted to them in order to carry out trade these factories were not manufacturing units as we would refer to them in today's world these were mere places of storage shipment trading and of commercial goods Apart from establishing factories in the Mughal kingdoms, Europeans also wished for beneficial trade rights and safe passage for their ships on the ports of the Indian Ocean. During the early 17th century, the Portuguese had persistent presence in South Asia ever since the conquest of Goa in 1510 and the establishment of Estado de India. The Portuguese were in direct conflict with the English desire for trade relations with the Mughal. It was during the reign of the 4th Mughal Badshah or the Emperor Nuruddin Muhammad Jahangir that the English consistently pressed for these desires. Among the most well-known English men to have appeared in the court of Jahangir was Sir Thomas Roe, an official ambassador sent from King James I. while he actually held the position of an ambassador in the kingdom of england he was also a representative of commercial entity of the east india company thomas was a prolific writer during his time in the jahangir's court he kept not only a detailed journal but also pinned down letters of business and personal contacts including the ones he wrote for king james 
Rose writings have been used to demystify the workings of the Mughal court. It has also been used to gain a window into the life of the individual personalities of the empire and the political development of 17th century Mughal dominion. His journal provides a revelation of his personality. It also reflects his frustration and antagonistic relationship with certain members of the Mughal court. Throughout his writings, Rowe constantly validates his role as royal ambassador and he stresses his position that he had been placed in the Mughal court and his self-pertained intimacy with Jahangir. To understand the task that had been allotted to Rowe as the ambassador of England, we first need to know and understand the numerous failed attempts made by the English East India Company in order to establish formal trade with the Mughal court. All of it begins when a consortium of wealthy merchants was created and as a commercial enterprise. The company subsequently was granted royal charter in 1600. Rowe is not the first one to have represented the company. It was John Mindenhall who became the first company representative to have visited the Mughal court. And this was during the reign of Akbar, Jahangir's father. The efforts of the delegation failed and so did the efforts of the third and the sixth voyage until 1611. It was not until the tenth voyage that the company agreed to try again and institute a formal agreement with the Mughals. In this instance, they sent Thomas Best, not to be confused with Thomas Rowe. Best was able to successfully obtain a farman, uh, something that would mean as an order, a royal order, granting permission to the English to build a factory in Surat. However, the treaty had not been established between England and the empire. The company convinced the king to send an official ambassador to Jahangir's court. Sir Thomas Rowe was chosen for this task. Rose arrived at Surat on September 1615 aged 35, a resolute man wanting to represent himself, his king and his country in a manner that would command respect and achieve the ultimate goal for commercial agreements between the company and the Mughal Empire. Rowe arrived at the royal court of Ajmer on January 1616. He stayed for two years before he finally returned to England in February 1619. As Rome maintained in his journal during the time he spent in the Mughal court, his writings have been published as travel writings for the enjoyment of the people who wanted to know more about his travels and the places he visited, and in such an instance, the non-European 17th century world. It is evident that Rowe understood that his success was dependent on his ability to act, to act as if he held power and position in Mughal court. We first need to understand that how much the behavior in the Mughal court was necessary as this mission that he had undertaken had already been made difficult by the behavior of the previous company representative who had come to the court claiming to be royal ambassadors while they were mere company employees. John Mindenhall, who we spoke about earlier, who had arrived at Akbar's court in 1603, promised the emperor that he would have a royal ambassador sent from the English kingdom. And 
when hawkins arrived jahangir thought that he must be the ambassador who was promised something that hawkins was not hesitant to accept as any royal ambassador in the mughal court hawkins was accepted in the court proceedings he was given an allowance and he was favored but all of this shattered when hawkins carelessly decided to turn up in front of the emperor while he was drunk all of the actions of the previous company representatives had made this task of rome much more difficult the moguls had now begin to laugh at the name of english ambassador and it had come to such a moment that it had become a point of ridicule for so many and that so many people had assumed the title but none of them had performed the office england's reputation as a country was of little importance to trade to the moguls and their diplomacy all of this became evident when ro arrived at surat ro's understanding this became even more heightened and his belief that the impression he is going to give of himself was of utmost importance and that this would be sought or seen as an impression of the king himself and the country of england naturally this resulted in ro engaging in politics of display and presentation his favorite kind he believed he was an actor in a scene and he constantly had to maintain this character of an ambassador and if it had to be believed by his mughal audience while i was reading the writings of ro during his time in the court there were certain recurring themes in the book among them as i previously mentioned was his position that he thought he was an embodiment of james 1 and of england in south asia another theme of his expectation that an ambassador would be received as a special person as with special status and that the mughal treatment of him should reflect the same thomas began to build forts in his own mind when he thought that he would be personally held in very high esteem by the emperor and that he thought he shared an intimate relationship that no other european was afforded before ro insinuated himself into the hierarchy of the mughal court so confident and boastful about his position in the court of the emperor ro had his journal copied and sent it to his friends in the company and his relatives in england even while he was still in south asia once when thomas had arrived in the court of jahangir in ajmer his writings reflect an intimacy with the emperor which he thought he had an unsurpassed by any other european the statement portraying that the english were considered to be politically superior to other europeans in the eyes of the emperor even surpassing the old relationship of the portuguese in the mughal court who by the way had existed since 1580 and who had sent their first jesuit mission to akbar's court Since then the Jesuit fathers have advised the emperor in his general dealings with the Europeans and have acted as translators and interpreters when other Europeans came to court. Ro in his writing notes additional circumstances and different situations to illustrate his importance to the emperor including when the badshah had sent for Thomas during the night asking him to help him tie a sword and a scarf in the English fashion. He writes this in a letter to the company. Here, mind you, Ro is trying to show that he had an intimate access to Jahangir and that he was the only one who had been held in such a position before and that 
only he could fulfill the desires of the company all of this he wrote to the company was a part of a theatric role he was playing as the ambassador trying to convince the company that he was the right person who they had chosen for this mission another instance when ro writes about jahangir once when ro was upset jahangir demanded to know what made ro unhappy and that he would make sure that he would do everything in his power to make him happy thomas writes this too that jahangir respected him more than any other stranger who appeared in his court one more instance ro writes favorably about how he was invited to have a drink with the emperor and his other members of the royal harem he also stresses on how the emperor was uneased when he heard that ro had missed the birthday ritual of weighing the emperor in gold this depiction of thomas thus far has which he has focused in his writing he uses as that as a tool to convince his importance with jahangir he also writes about how he consciously placed himself in the mughal court hierarchy by doing so he was trying to show that he was a person to have been of immense importance not only in the mughal court but also in the eyes of the emperor ro also writes about how he was perceived to be a man of high importance in the court to justify this he narrates an incident in the darbar the mughal court ceremony usually dictates that when the emperor was in audience the courtiers and the nobles were placed around the audience hall in accordance with their rank the closest to the emperor stood close and the high ranking nobles stood close uh, to the emperor ro was quite aware of this hierarchy when he first arrived in january he went to the darbar to visit the king he writes that the king seeing him from afar put out his hand signaling him that he should approach the emperor mind now mind you when he is doing this he is telling that he had to skip the ceremony of asking the emperor's permission to approach him and that that he should not be uh, feeling shy in order to approach the imperial space he writes that he thought this status and the emperor's action towards him was befitting to his role as an ambassador of king james first he writes this to display his particular level of closeness that he thought he shared with the emperor since the day he appeared in the court the journal presents the emperor jahangir showing preferential treatment to ro stressing the fact that he did not have to formally ask permission to approach the imperial space and that he was not required to follow rigid nature of courtly audience and as for ro he had already independently decided to return to the same place where he was called by the emperor on his first meeting and that he would stand there on other occasions as well and this had to come up once during the occasion of navroz when ro was invited to the audience he chose to stand exactly where the emperor had called him to be standing earlier next to the prince and the young rana's side now mind you these are the spaces where the most closest of the advisers and the nobles stand to the emperor 
while the emperor actually did tell thomas to choose his own place uh he personally ro chose to go and stand that close so that he thought he was making a statement of distinction by equating himself with the members of the royal family another notion of ro perceiving himself as an important figure uh jahangir uh, important figure to jahangir comes from an incident where uh, a safavid ambassador mohammad reza beg arrives at the court ro writes that like all the visitors appearing before the emperor who were required by the customs of the court to perform a salute something that included the tasleem that is bowing before the emperor and followed by sajda that is prostration in front of the emperor three times however when ro arrived he requested the permission of the emperor to not use these customs of the mughal court but rather greet him with the customs of the english court and just to bow a little and greeting jahangir during his first appearance and jahangir allowed to do so thereby ro believed that he was ensuring that he did not have to perform what he thought was a demeaning customary act of obedience that all those who came before the emperor did by kneeling on the floor and touching their forehead to the ground three times ro felt that his decision to not perform this sort of greeting made him distinguished and more important individual from those who did perform the ceremony not just this he also thought that this projected england as an equal but not a subordinate nation to the mughal empire all of the acts that ro was performing in the mughal court were a display of how he believed england was not a subordinate to the mughal dominion but was rather an equal and also a partner in world politics ro writes a lot and much frequently about mohammad reza beg the safavid ambassador he writes that when the ambassador mohammad reza uh, comes to the court of jahangir he was made to stand in the seventh rank he mentions this particular incident to show that even an ambassador of safavid iran who holds great ties with the mughal empire was made to stand in the rankings close to the servants of the emperor close to the door of the darbar while he himself stood near the royal princes he also writes about how jahangir called shah abbas as a brother so when the ambassador comes and brings him a letter Uh, on behalf of shah abbas and when he comes and does the tasleem and the sajda and he presents the letter of the shah to jahangir jahangir asks so how does my brother so he writes about this incidents and he mentions that he jahangir omitted uh, the title of majesty or giving him a title that was that showed him that he had a much higher position he writes about the incidents of how he called him shah abbas as his brother not as his majesty while he and every time that he referred to king james the first he would do so by putting the title of the majesty eventually ro was unable to gain favors 
that he was sent for and that he was commissioned for in the Mughal Empire. He thought that there was no value in staying in the court of Jahangir, while he was not able to make any strong progress on creating a formal treaty between the Mughals and the English. Ro then asked a formal leave from the emperor and received a letter from him written to King James with full of compliments and assurances of good usage of the English and also a general firman and order for the reception and continuation of the English in his dominion, in his country. Towards the close of September 1618, the ambassador took his departure from Surat, where four months he spent waiting the completion of the lading of the ship. Now, with him moving out, the question naturally arises as to what had Roe achieved so far, and had he accomplished the task which he had been sent to perform. Many writers uh, in England have pro- thought, I mean, have given an answer which they felt was contained. They said that he had obtained valuable concessions for the English in the Mughal court. But they do not go into specifying or mentioning the nature of such concessions that we made. Rose's proposed treaty had been rejected with scorn and he had been obliged to ridicule soon as he arrived in England. And he was told that the ordinary firmans were not even worth half a penny. After all that had affected him, what failed him were the causes that were beyond his own control. When he arrived in India, he found that the English were in a precarious position, threatened by expulsion. The local feelings which initially was in their favour was now turning against them for because of the active competition that was destroying the trade of the native merchants and the unruliness of the sailors added with the hostilities between the Portuguese and the English fleet in the seas causing trouble to the inhabitants. However, his work sheds immense light not only on the events of the Mughal court but also on the solitary walls of the Deccan the impeding troubles in regards to the succession and the rise of Khurram, later to be known as Shah Jahan, strengthened and supported by Noor Mahal and her family. But how was Ro and his English king perceived in the worldview of Jahangir? In stark contrast to the way Ro projected himself as an integral part of Jahangir's court, Europeans were almost completely omitted in Jahangir's memoir, the Jahangir Nama. The Jahangir Nama is a factual account of Jahangir's ring and an important representation of the emperor's personality reflecting the candid individual. It goes to the extent to discuss his flaws, his attributes, his addictions, his dislikes and even his self-designed scientific experiments. So much so that Jahangir had gained a reputation as a pleasure-loving drunk with little interest of running his empire. In fact, Jahangir names with great frequency of his courtiers, nobles and rivals, even enemies for a matter of fact in the Jahangir Nama. And the visiting dignitaries to his court with such detail that Ro being not mentioned in his memoir is only breaking the perceived shield that Ro had put up that he shared an intimate relationship with the emperor, a claim that he had made so boastfully, now with no representation in the Mughal court.
Jahangir had also referred a few times to the Portuguese of the Goa. He called them as the Franks, and he referred to English only one single time, when it and and this occurs when they were defeated uh, in sea battle against the Portuguese. Now, even looking at this and what Thomas Rowe writes, there are two distinct polar narratives that are here, and both the places there seems to be evident. bias especially in the jahangir nama a bias against europeans and the multiple ambassadors that the europeans sent however ambassadors that were sent from asian nations were mentioned quite frequently but not the european ones the inclusion of diplomatic visitors within the jahangir nama was a means by which jahangir showed uh, the importance he had for them and the support that he gave to them Uh, to the visiting diplomats in his court he writes about ambassadors from various other asian courts such as ambassadors from iran golconda and also the very less known courts of yuench jahangir did not deem ro in england worth mentioning as he did not consider them to be political forces in the region to reckon with he did not see them as the same politico religious importance as he did the diplomats of the asian muslim nations sanjay subramanyam makes a statement that the english did not appear to make an impressive mark on mughal memory however during 17th century which is quite evident through jahangir nama this is contradicted by the visual evidence from the emperor's time Two paintings created in Jahangir's lifetime indicate Rose's presence at the Mughal court, and that it did in fact have an impact on Jahangir. The first is the famous image of Jahangir preferring a Sufi sheikh over the kings, one which you will be able to see in the title image of the podcast. The same image has also been linked down in the description, so please feel free to open it up and look through it. This painting has been dated between 1615 to 1618 depicting an allegorical image of Jahangir seated upon the large hourglass handing a book to the Sufi sheikh watched by the Ottoman sultan in James I and the painter in the scene Bishal The portrayal of James in the painting is almost identical to the one Thomas had presented the emperor when he had met This is something that can be directly related to Rose's presence at Jahangir's court. Scholars have urged that Jahangir's world view. Sorry, scholars have argued that James One does not appear in the painting just as mere figure that had enlarged Jahangir's world view, but as a representation of Europe, just as the Ottoman Sultan was representing the Muslim Asian world, subordinated in his world view. where the mughal empire was the political center of the world it is evident that the image is a complete glorification of the literal title of jahangir which meant the world caesar not caesar as julius caesar caesar the one who seizes thomas rose journal and letters in jahangir nama's uh, sorry jahangir jahangir nama present contrasting views in the perception the stark difference In Thomas's reception at the Mughal court is related with Rowe perceiving himself as an important part of Jahangir's inner circle but in both instances the work written exhibits and has perspectives of the author's personal agenda not 
one of them can be a portrait of neutral view of their surroundings as thomas self perceived his achievements and the consequences of his arrivals into mughal court this is not at all reflected with the jahangir's memoir and is quite clear from his autobiography and painting that jahangir's world view was the one that placed the mughal empire at the center of the wider political arena that encompassed asia and europe was only permitted to join the arena Thank you everyone for tuning in for today's podcast. If you liked today's episode, please consider sharing it with your friends and spreading the word. You'd really appreciate if you would also subscribe to our channel or consider following us on our social media accounts. We are available on both Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. We are also uploading our videos on YouTube and I hope you're listening from there. But wherever you're following us or listening us to, please consider subscribing and sharing our work. gives us a great deal of enthusiasm to work for our next episode thank you very much